We've got a flying school in our backyard at the moment. Um, it's, it's a prestigious academy uh, with a, a, almost a 100% success rate. And, you know, for the students, it's, um, it's a live-in facility, fully catered. Meals get delivered uh, throughout the day, every day, and interspersed with flying lessons and exercises. And, and it's, it's quite incredible to see, to watch as these uh, mother magpies spends the whole day just, you know, getting insects and grubs and worms and feeding these juvenile we call them teenage birds, almost adults. Sometimes you can't tell the difference from the adults because they're the same size and they keep getting fed all day long while they're learning how to fly. It's incredible. I, I don't know why they don't get um, moved out a bit sooner, but that's what happens. That's the way it is. And, and it's a picture of absolute dependence, depending on their mother and, and for, for, for their life. And so it's, it's a lot like the way we depend on God. And uh, I, I want to share with you this morning a little bit about that because it's so important, depending on Him. Uh, I want to talk about prayer this morning uh, because when we pray, what happens is it positions us because we recognize that God is there and I'm here and I just need Him. I need God and you need God. Now, and we're not going to get into a theological discussion about where God is, you know, we're, you know, but, but the point is, I need God, and you need God today. And so uh, as, we, as we come to share about this, I want to talk again from the Psalms this morning. Some of these Psalms are, are written as prayers. Uh, a lot of them are described as songs. Uh, and some of them are uh, deep cries from the heart of someone who's feeling something really. They've been through an incredible uh, you know, time of brokenness or pain, and they're crying out to God. But in, in every one of these psalms, you know, as we, as we read them, uh, there's something we can identify with that helps us to learn how to pray because that's what they are. They're cries from the heart. You know, prayer, can be, it can be worship. It can be giving of thanks. It can be requests. It can be acknowledgement. It can be expressing a wide range of emotions from joy to grief. Um, but it always positions us as depending on God. A lot of the Psalms are written by David. Uh, many of you, you know the story of David, but um, he, he'd experienced so much of God's saving power. And, you know, God said about David, God said to him, or about him, he is a man whose heart beats to my heart. He will do what I tell him to do. And uh, so when, when David prayed, when David wrote these songs, I tell you, we can learn so much about what we need to have. And so today I want to share some attitudes that put us in the right frame of mind as we think about prayer. And at the end of this, I want to just share with you two really simple little prayers that you can pray with me. And the first one is about dependency today. You know, we can think about, as we talked about the, the baby magpies, you know, we can think about uh, a baby, like a human baby, um, and uh, that it's totally dependent on its, on its mother. And, um, you know, that, that's a great analogy in a sense of a, of a baby Christian when a person first becomes a follower of Jesus. But I need to say here that we can't push the analogy too far because it fails after a while as an analogy. Um, because, you know, as a baby is growing up and a young child in its, in its home, its family, that's okay. But, you know, if, if you're a parent here today or you, 
you know, you, you've been a parent of children growing up, uh, something that's always in the back of your mind is that at some point in time, they will leave home, right? And so well, you're thinking about, as a, as a parent, what you're wanting to do is prepare your child for, as they say, independent living. That the time will come when they will move away, they'll become fully an adult and they'll manage their own finance and manage their own lifestyle and a whole heap of things. So uh, the move towards independent living, which is kind of a, a, a normal thing. Of course, these days we have uh, a lot of like the 20-somethings and 30-somethings who don't want to move out from home because it's, they, they figured out that it's kind of nice and it kind of works for them financially and so on. So uh, sometimes the parents actually have to leave home because it's the only way they can do it. And I know that's all changing today because of economic necessity and so on. But at that point, when, when, when the parents are trying to bring their kids to a state of independent living, that's where the analogy breaks down because God is not trying to make you independent of Him. What He's trying to do is bring you to a point of more dependence. So as a child or, an, or a teenager needs to grow into and learn how to become independent, what we as believers, we've got to grow into dependence on God. Not out of it, but into dependence on God. Because that's what he wants for us, to be dependent. And David learned how to depend on God when he had no one else. And if you study his life, you know that he had not a lot from the, right from the start in terms of anyone else to depend on. He learned how to depend on God. You know, it's probably, he may have been as young as 12 years old when he one day stood in a group with his family and all his brothers around him. There were about 10 of them all together, probably 11 actually all together. And um, here's, here's, the, here's the great prophet Samuel who's come to visit them. And they go through, he's looking for the one who will be the next king of Israel. And so uh, he goes through all the brothers from the oldest right down and eventually gets to David and he says, this is the one, anoint him as the king of Israel. He will be the new king. Um, as a very young boy, not long after that, David may have been only 15. I used to think he was 17, but he was probably, there's a, a very clear case that he might have been as young as 15 when he killed the giant Goliath. And you may have read that story. You know about David and Goliath. He's a young boy. He kills the giant and is catapulted into national prominence. He becomes a national hero at that moment. And at the same moment, the king of the land starts to get jealous. So why are they singing songs about him? What about singing some songs about me? And Saul, King Saul, says, start, starts to get on this vendetta to try and get rid of this a young upstart that could potentially threaten his throne. So David's on the run for the next 15 years. He's hanging out in caves and people are coming and joining him. They know that he's the next king of Israel and they can see Oh, I just love that, that verse that says that the Spirit of God was upon David and, and they can see that the, the, the glory of God is on his life. And so on one of those occasions, David's in, in, in his, his, uh, they're in some uh, remote location with, with, with some of his soldiers and, and the locals have betrayed him to King Saul. They told Saul where he was. So here comes Saul arriving with about uh, you know, thousands of his elite troops to capture and, and kill David. And so... Um, uh, David's just praying. He doesn't know what to do. But, uh, um, and 
a message comes that, oh, the Philistines have attacked Israel again. And so at the very last moment, the, the army is called off and they've got to go somewhere else to, to, to defeat some other enemy. And you know what happens? David knows that, you know, God, you delivered me out of the hands of my enemies right there. And so that's when he's been, he's been writing songs. And many of his great songs are written during those sort of times. And I want to, you know, in a moment, we're going to read, we're going to read some from Psalm 18. In fact, right now we'll read it, Psalm 18. Verse 6, in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I prayed to my God for help. He heard me from his sanctuary. My cry to him reached his ears and he reached down from heaven and he rescued me. He drew me out of deep waters. He's, he's writing these, these prayers and songs because he wants to acknowledge that, hey, God rescued me when there was, there was no other help. I, I, was, I was a goner. I was, I was that far away from losing my life. And yet God reached down and rescued me. He learned how to depend on God. So here's a question. Have you ever been in a situation where you had, only, you had to rely on God and there was no one else? You just had to rely on God. Ever been in that situation? Jesus knew how to depend on his Father. There was one time when Jesus was preaching a sermon to a huge crowd of people. And he said some things that were a bit hard to understand that people couldn't get their head around and they just started leaving. And the, almost the whole crowd left except for his closest disciples. And he turns and he says to them, Are you, will you leave also? Will you go also? Now, now you, I've read that in John chapter 6. I've read that many times and you, know, you could think he was saying, oh, please don't leave. But he wasn't. I want to tell you, Jesus was fully dependent on his father. He knew what he was doing. He knew what he came for. He knew what his mission was. He came to die. And so when he said to the disciples, will you leave also? He was, that, he was acknowledging his absolute and utter dependence on his father. And you know what? If they'd left, he would have been okay with that because there would have been some other disciples later on. Jesus knew how to depend on his father. That made me think about... Um, uh, many many years ago, we were we were living in uh, actually down at Stanthorpe. It was, and we were we were planting a church there, and uh, uh, we had had a quite a good car. It was a good car, but um, it was playing up at one stage. It um, it started the engine started squeal, making this squealing noise, and I, I, knew, I knew what it was. It was an alternator, and a bearing was going in the alternator, and, and so. Uh, but the the problem was we had no money. <laughs> like we had like zero money. At that time, we couldn't fix it. And so we prayed and because uh, we just couldn't leave it the way it was. We prayed and the noise stopped. And um, it never came back again, even though we kept that car for years after that. It never came back. And so I just know that when, when you've got no other alternative, when the only thing you can rely on is God, you've got to rely on God. What's the opposite of dependency? I think it's self-sufficiency. It's being self-sufficient. And I think God wants us to come to the point where we learn to let that go and learn to trust Him, trust him and, and depend on Him. Someone said, you know, the wilderness, um, you know, thinking about David in the wilderness, it's, it's, not, it's not an experiment where we test ourselves to find out how resilient we are and how strong we are. It's actually a place where we discover the strength of God and the faithfulness of God in our lives. And I, I just pray that that's the case for you today. Because maybe you're going through something that's really tough today. 
And, you know, it's not about just when the going gets tough, the tough get going. It's about proving the faithfulness and the strength and the provision of God for your life today. The Holy Spirit, I believe, wants to shift our focus away from the natural onto the spiritual. And uh, that's why in, in Matthew chapter 6, it says this, Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You know, it's, it's how often we, we're so preoccupied, aren't we, about things like our, our menu, for example, what, what we're going to eat, you know, or our, our clothes or, you know, other, other things that, that we have at a natural level around about us. And we, we get our, our minds so full of those things every day, things that we miss out on the much, much bigger picture of what God wants to do in our lives. And all the time he's saying, I, I want to lead you in this path. I want to do great things in you. I want to use you to do great things and amazing things. And we're so preoccupied on what's, what's for dinner <laughs> or what's the next thing. You know. Steep your life in God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. He, he wants to do that for us to meet all those basic things if we get our focus back on Him and make Him the ruler and Lord of our life. So all of those things only work when we learn how to depend on God. The second thing I want to share with you this morning, I've only got two points today. second thing is about expectancy, expecting something great from God. Um, and as, so often we think, uh, we have faith and we say, oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a faith person or you might describe yourself as I'm, I'm a person of faith. But so often our lives are clouded with so many doubts about things. And, uh, you know, David, David prayed uh, and when he prayed, he expected the answer. He had seen the power of God. He'd seen so much of God delivering him out of difficult situations that when he prayed, he was expecting the answer from God. We're going to read from Psalm chapter 5, Psalm 5, verse 3. And I love this little verse. It's, David says, Each morning I bring my requests to you and wait expectantly. Well, that's pretty freaky when you think about it. He's not just mouthing off a prayer and, and then say, Oh, well, I better go and have a coffee now. I've done my bit, like Jeff was saying before. It wasn't a box to be ticked. He was saying, God, I've got needs. I've got things happening around me. I've got things I have to... Each morning I bring my prayers and my requests to you and wait expectantly for the answer. That's incredible. Now, there's a number of things about this. Uh, he says each... He's, he's a morning person, right? He's acknowledging... I get up in the morning and I do this. Now, I'm not sure how that works for you. I know not everyone is a morning person. Maybe you're not here. Maybe that doesn't work for you. That, that's okay. But all I'm saying is find some time. Now, and I know also that uh, as every year goes by, it probably gets a bit more difficult as, you know, the, the life gets more and more crazy as, we, as time goes on. Is that right? In terms of our time management. But this, don't forget, this guy, he's the leader of the country, He's got priorities. He's got things to do. He's a busy person. And he's saying, every morning, I bring my request to you. And I'll wait expectantly because I'm waiting for something. I'm waiting for your answer. I'm waiting for something to happen. What a challenge that is, you know, to, to pray those kind of believing prayers, actually expecting results. In Acts chapter 12, there's a, there's a great 
story about um, the Apostle Peter, actually. And, and uh, it starts off saying that uh, James, who was the brother of John, um, he was taken into custody because the early church, the, 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 the Romans and, and, the, uh, and the religious Jews... Uh, when the church was just getting established, they were very threatened. Well, they, they, didn't, they didn't like the Christians at all. There was a lot of opposition and a lot of, um, you know, they, they hated the Christians. So, so James was taken into custody and beheaded. I mean, it was, it was pretty tragic. He, he became a martyr for his faith. And so the, um, the Roman governor could see that uh, it pleased the religious people when, when that happened, so they, they, they took Peter into custody, who was the leader of the church, one of the leaders of the church in that area. And so basically they said, you're next. You know, so probably the next day he was going to lose his life as well. So it said, then it says that Peter, in Acts chapter 12, it says that Peter uh, is in the prison, chained up between two guards, and uh, he's fast asleep. Now, I, I don't know how you would feel about that if you knew that the next day you were going to lose your head but he's fast asleep, so he's resting and trusting God. And it says that while this was happening, the church in that area was, was praying very earnestly for him. They were really praying. They had a prayer meeting, an all-night prayer meeting, and they were really seriously praying for, pe- for Peter. And so, and then we're going to pick, it, pick this up and read it, uh, because um, an, angel, an angel came and supernaturally uh, delivered Peter from, from the prison, his, the chains an angel appeared there. The chains fell off his wrists and uh, the angel shook Peter and woke him up and took him out through the, through the prison doors and gates out onto the street. And then the angel just, just disappeared. And so Peter's there shaking himself and said, what, what's going on? Is this, is this for real? And then he realized it's actually real. I'm actually, I've actually been delivered by God from this prison. So let's read it. Acts chapter 12, verse 12. It says, when he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. And he knocked at the door in the gate, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. When she real recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the gate, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter is standing outside the door, which would have been incredible. Imagine it would have kind of broken up the prayer meeting a little bit. Um, so you're out of your mind they said you can go to the next slide when she insisted they decided oh it must be his angel they 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 didn't want to believe or they couldn't conceive in their minds that it actually was uh peter standing there so meanwhile peter continued knocking out so he's outside on the gate and still knocking so when they finally opened the door and saw him they were amazed it actually was Peter. So here's the thing. They organized a prayer meeting to pray for something which, where they needed a God intervention. They needed a miracle, but they didn't actually believe that it could happen. Because when it happened, they didn't recognize it. So I'm saying to us this morning, folks, you know, and our little tagline, if you have seen our online services or some of our brochures or some of our material, it says, Expect God to do something amazing. Because I, I believe, as a church, we should have that expectancy. We should be believing that God will do something powerful, something significant, something life-transforming in, in, in someone else. But what about, what about in you? 
that God will do something amazing for you. Believe God and expect God to do something amazing in, in your life. And I'm asking the question this morning, why do we even bother going through the motions of prayer if we don't expect a result? You know, when, when you come to pray, you know, let's, let's, let's come and pray, believing, God, we believe that you will do something great in our midst. It's what we're expecting for God to do something amazing. I want to share one more scripture with you as we come towards the end of this. And that's in Psalm 20. It's David again. Um, writing this psalm, it's a song actually, but this is, this is written at a time when he is preparing, uh, he's uh, commanding the army and he's preparing them for a battle, a military conflict. Now, now, in our lives in Australia here, we're kind of remote from the rest of the world and you might feel that you haven't been directly involved in any real wars, you know, but you need to know that in lots of other places in the world, they're on a war footing the whole time. I was going through a list in my own mind of countries that I know that are, you know, continually having warfare. But anyway, so David is preparing the army for war. And as, as usual, he's praying and writing songs the whole, the whole time. So uh, what it says to me is that you can pray no matter what's going on. No matter where you are, no matter what's happening, we can just, we can pray. We can talk to God about this. So let's read Psalm 20, verse 1. God answer you. On the day you crash, the name God of Jacob put you out of harm's reach. Send reinforcements from Holy Hill. He's starting to pray, God, we need help here. You know, we don't know what this particular battle, who, was, who it was against or what it was. But, but David is praying for God to intervene. And he's saying, God, I, I need your help to come right now. Let's go to verse 5. And he says, when you win, God... We plan to raise the roof and lead the parade with our banners. Notice the word when, there when. So it wasn't an if, it was a when. So what's happening here is David is starting to get a picture of the victory. He's starting in his mind to say, well, you, this, this is going to happen. I, I just have a sense that we are going to win this battle. And then in verse 6, I love the next one. It says, let me just go to the next slide. It says, that clinches it, helps coming, and answers on the way. Everything's going to work out. So what? It's like the victory, he'd taken hold of it, and it was already in his heart. So he wasn't any longer praying for God's help. He was saying, I know I've got it right here on the inside now. It's, it's, it, I've got it right here. Now that's, that's, you know, friends, that's what faith is all about. You know, you, that verse in Hebrews 11, verse 1, that says, faith is the substance of things that you hope for. In other words, it's what you've got in your heart right now that relates to what you're looking for to get in the future. Uh, and I love that, that word, the substance. Faith is the substance of what we hope for. It literally means in the original language to stand underneath something. You know, it's like a foundation. I, I, think of a, I like to think of it as, uh, you know, like a, a, a water tank where you have a big water tank on the back of someone's house and it's got a tank stand under the, the tank stand. Under, under the tank to hold it up above ground level. So that's what that word literally means. It means to stand under something or the foundation for it. And so faith that God puts in your heart or that, that word that God puts in your heart, it's, um, it's, it's the concrete thing that you've got right now that relates to what's coming in the future. And that's what David had when he said, that clinches it, helps coming, it's on the way right now. I've already got it in my heart right now. Then the next verse. 
It says, see those people polishing their chariots and those others grooming their horses? But we're making garlands for God, our God. He's talking about the enemy. See, they're, they're polishing. Their, they're getting ready for something. But we're making garlands for God, our God. The chariots will rust. Those horses will pull up lame and we'll be on our feet standing tall. What's he doing? He's starting to boast about God's deliverance. He doesn't just believe in it. He's starting to declare it and he's boasting about, God, you have done amazing things. Before it happened, folks, it hadn't happened yet. He's boasting about it before it happens. Now, what I'm saying this morning is, friends, these are all things that feed into the idea of us expecting God to do something amazing, expecting God to do something great in our lives. We, um, we have for many years, had a, uh, a lovely um, cavalier King Charles spaniel dog, and it passed away, sadly, early this year. So we don't have it anymore. But um, we would uh, take it walking often in the afternoons. And so um, if I was, happened to be home there and, and Del would come and say, oh, well, you know, time for a walk to take, we'll go for a walk. But she couldn't say walk. She had to say W-A-L-K or something like that, you know, because, because as soon as we, the dog would go off its nut if we, if we said the word walk, okay? So, so what, what is that? That's what you call expectancy. The dog is expecting something. I know that many of you here know exactly what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about, Warren, don't you? Probably it's exactly the same thing. You know, because so um, expecting something to happen, it's a wonderful thing. And I, just as we, you know, come to a close here, friends, it's, it's one thing to find yourself in a position, to inverted commas, find yourself in a position where you have to trust God for the future. But it's another thing, it's next level to work out and to discover that God actually brought you to that place. God was leading you and he brought you into that place because God does that. He brings us to the point of dependency. That's why I said at the start that we don't, we've got to grow into depending on God, not grow out of it. Now, many years ago, we had a band, and I know I've talked about it a few times, but for about seven years, we had a Christian band, and we used to go around to uh, you know, sing in churches and at you know rock concerts and stuff like that, and you know around around uh, southern Queensland and in Toowoomba here and Brisbane quite a bit and other places. And so, um, uh, and we used to we used to get together on on Thursday nights or one night during the week and pray. You know, God, we really want you to use us. We want you to do something through us. We want to we want to be able to sing in a way that really brings the presence of God and, and we can see miracles happen and see great things happen. And, and so we were praying like this for quite a while and, and eventually we changed it a bit and we said, you know, God, we, we really want you to move through us. And so, Lord, if it means, even if it means not even having this band, even, you know, if you want to take, we'll do something else. What can we do that you can really use us and move through us? And, and you know what happened? When we started praying that prayer like that, it wasn't very long. It was only a matter of months when one by one, God put his finger on members of that band and they started getting job opportunities. One went to Sydney. One went to Bible College in Townsville. One Different things happened. And um, in about three months, and then, God, then we got a letter in the mail saying, would you come up here and help us in this church? 
So we actually, we actually, God called us away. So here's the point. When we came to the, we came to the point of saying, God, if, even if you need to take away the thing that is most precious to us right now, we still want to be used by you. We still want to follow you. We still want to walk in your path. And I know that God does that. And so that whole thing about trusting God and, and expecting something from Him and depending on Him, you know, that's the point we need to come to. And God will bring you and me and each of us to that point in our life. I said at the start that I, I would just share with you two simple little prayers. And um, it's like this. When it comes to the issue of depending on God, here's the prayer. It goes like this. God, I need you. That's it. That's it. I, God, I need you. It's really simple, isn't it? You know, you could pray that. We, could, we should say that out loud almost. Why don't we say that now? And I'll say, God, I need you. You know, and I, look, I don't know if you're used to praying much, but you can say that. God, I need you. If you forget that, you know, go and go to YouTube or Facebook when you get home and watch this sermon again and you'll be able to remind yourself. <laughs> I'm sorry. And it's really simple. God, I need you. And the second prayer about expecting something, it goes like this. It's a bit more complicated. It's got more words in it. It goes, God, I'm expecting you to come through. How many words is that? Seven words. God, I'm expecting you to come through here. So but, but two little prayers that we can pray that are so basic. Can we have our creative team to come back up at the moment, please? And let, me, let me ask you this morning, friends, where, where are you in regard to this question of letting go of my self-sufficiency? You know, I can tough this out. I can make this happen. I can make it, make it work. If it is to be, it's up to me. And coming to the point of depending on God. Well, here's another question. What, what happens when you find yourself in a crisis? What's the first thing? You, where, where do you go when, you, when you're in a crisis? Who are you going to call? <laughs> Who are you going to call? I, I want to encourage you to just get on your knees. Just call out to God. Say, God, I need you. If that's the only thing you say, you know, that's fine. That, that might be a simple prayer, but I want to tell you, it can be the most profound. It can be the most powerful. It can be the most effective. God, I just need you. I pray prayers like that all the time. What's the first thing you resort to? Do you pray? You know, or or, or do, do I ask with confidence, expecting God to answer? It's so important that, isn't it? so important to be able to do that. And, and then do I start to declare the provision of God before I've seen the answer? Because that's, that's significant as well. We can do that. You can do that. Start to, start to declare God's, God's provision and God's answer before you see it. I want to quickly close our eyes just for a moment this morning.